Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. What an amazing morning so far, and, and, and we still have more to celebrate. We have some baptisms in just a moment. We're also going to partake of communion in just a moment. I want to say thank you all for joining us today, and will you guys help me thank our rooted leaders for doing all that they've been doing, leading people for the last 10 weeks. Today's service is uh, it's a public declaration that Jesus changes everything. It's a public display of the fact that that when we pursue him with all that we are, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And for the past 10 weeks, over 150 people in our church, they pursued Jesus together through Rooted. They studied together. They prayed together. They laughed together. They even cried together. We've heard some of their testimonies. We've seen some of their testimonies. We'll see some of their baptisms. But as we celebrate these victories today, I wanted to remind you that life change doesn't have to end here. This is just the beginning. One of the rooted rhythms is freedom from strongholds. Although today is the beginning of a new story for many of our rooted participants, it could also be the beginning of a new story for you. And in the Bible, there is one thing that always precedes freedom, that always comes before a new life, and that is forgiveness. And so in a moment, we're going to take communion. But before we do, I wanted to remind you of the joy and freedom of leaving the past in the past. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll jump into God's word. God, I just want to say thank you again for your amazing grace. Your power has been on display all morning long as we've celebrated people coming to you, declaring through baptism that they belong to you, celebrating what you've done by testifying with testimonies. We've been blessed in blessing upon blessing. And now, right now, as we open your word, I pray that you'd speak to every one of us. Some people in this room today need that softening and that encouragement from you to know that they can be a new person. They can leave things behind. They could actually start a new life today. And if, if you're calling them to that, I pray that there would be a soft heart and ability to hear from you, to have open ears and, and an open life to, to see your miracle on display in their world. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Well, in the Old Testament, there is a really great story. It's not a very well-known story, but it's about a well-known saint and a not-so-well-known bully. The saint is King David. The bully is a guy named Shammai, and he's probably someone you've probably never heard of before. Probably just kind of glazed over him as you were doing your Bible reading. Well, the story begins with David at the lowest point of his life. His son Absalom had rebelled against him, stole the people's hearts, and now he was trying to overtake his father's throne, and he won. He captured the throne. And so it was was so bad that David was actually forced out of his home, and he had to flee and and live among the caves. And as he was journeying over to the caves, he had some warriors with him. He's trying to escape the city when he runs into a pretty pathetic guy by the name of Shammai. Shammai meets him on the road. When Shammai sees David, we read that he cursed David, the great king, the man after, after God's own heart, and he even threw rocks at David. 
And listen to what it says here, 2 Samuel, Samuel 6, 16, 7. He said, get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He shouted at David. This is the king of Israel. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last, you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Now, just a side note, all of these things that Shemaiah is saying about David are lies. David never killed Saul's family. If you know the story, Saul actually uh, thrust himself upon his own sword, and David wept about it. Similarly, David didn't steal Saul's throne. God actually crowned David when David was a young man and he rejected Saul as king. Nevertheless, you get the feeling in this passage that Shammai waited years and years and years for his moment to insult the king, the king of Israel. And as he was throwing rocks and throwing insults, one of David's warriors stepped in to defend him. Some of you guys know what this is like. Okay? Maybe you got that friend in your corner that as soon as somebody says something about you, like they, are, they got your back. Anybody got a friend like that? Like they step up, they got your back. Well, David had one of these friends, but this guy, like he, he, like, he, he doesn't mess around because listen to what he says, 2 Samuel 16:9. Why should this dead, this dead dog curse my Lord the King? It's like, what's going on here? Let me go over and cut off his head. Okay, you gotta love the Old Testament. They don't mess around. They don't mess around. Yet it sounds reasonable though, right? You're insulting the king of Israel as he's losing everything. He's escaping his homeland. He's going to live in the caves and you're a nobody and you meet him on the road and you start throwing rocks at him and insulting him in front of his warriors. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna respond? How could David respond? Like, what would you do if you were in this position? What's so amazing about this story is that instead of revenge, David showed restraint. How many of you could show restraint in a moment like that? You're already losing everything. Now someone is insulting you and you're the king and he's just a servant in your kingdom and you have all your warriors. Could you show restraint in that moment? Look at what David says to his buddy. He says, no, the king said, who asked your opinion? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? David was the king. He possessed the power to destroy any bully any mean person, any rebel that stood in his path. He had the power, but you know what David chose? David chose mercy over judgment. And here's where things get really, really interesting. To Shammai's surprise, a few months later, the rebellion was squashed by David's warriors. And so David is no longer living in the caves. He makes his way out of the caves. He's heading back to Jerusalem, back to his throne. And as he's going back to Jerusalem, Shammai knows, oh my goodness, David is gonna be looking for me. And so Shammai once again meets him out on the road. This time though, he wasn't tough. He was scared. Now, I don't know if you guys have dealt with bullies before. Maybe you've dealt with somebody who is just a jerk. There's no other way to describe them. Maybe you've dealt with a scoundrel or somebody who's divisive or manipulative in your life. Well, Shammai, this guy in this story, was the worst kind of bully. He was the kind of person who kicks you when you're down. He was the kind of person who takes advantage of your grief 
and hurls insults at you while you're vulnerable. He was unworthy of any kind of grace, unworthy of any kind of forgiveness. Do you guys have any Shemais in your life? People who have cut you, people who have hurt you, do you have any friends in your world that maybe they betrayed you? Maybe they kicked you while you were down. Maybe you might have a family, family member who manipulated you or took advantage of a situation in your life. Is there anyone in your world that may have hurt you emo emotionally, may have hurt you physically? Anyone who continues to be a perpetual thorn in your side and you're like, yes. Some of you are like, yes, I do. Actually, I know Shammai. I just call him a different name. What's your perspective of that situation today? The people who hurt you, the people who wronged you, the people who did things to you that you didn't deserve, the people who took advantage of your na being naive or, or being younger or whatever the case might be. Are there people in your life who have hurt you or wronged you, especially when you were vulnerable, you needed their support, you needed their help, but instead they stabbed you in the back. We all have stories of that in our lives. Maybe you are recounting or living through one of those stories right now, right here today. And let me ask you this, when it comes to that situation, whatever that situation is, are you today looking for revenge? Are you looking to get even? Are you looking to one day destroy that person or hoping for their, for their destruction? Are you looking for revenge or are you learning to forgive? Today's topic is freedom from strongholds. You know how Satan gets a stronghold in your life? By keeping you from forgiving others. You know how else Satan gets a stronghold in your life? By keeping you from getting forgiveness from the Lord. You know how else Satan gets a stronghold in your life? By keeping you from forgiving yourself. Who are you today? Are you forgiven? Have you forgiven? Are you forgiving yourself? Satan loves to set up strongholds in our lives and he does it by hurting us or, or allowing people who have hurt us to build bitterness in our lives, bitterness in our hearts. We saw this with the cardboard testimonies. How many of those testimonies mentioned bitterness? If you've ever been bitter, you know it's with you when you go to bed, it's with you when you wake up. You have your first cup of coffee, you have a little bit of joy and it's great for a second and then you leave the house and it just hits you again. You are mad, you're upset, you're hurt, you're bothered. You don't feel noticed, you don't feel seen and you live with it and you carry it every day, everywhere you go. And guess what? It's not hurting the people who you're bitter towards, it's only hurting you. So what does David do? As the king was about to cross the river, Shammai fell down before him. This is a very different Shammai than a few months earlier. My Lord, the king, please forgive me, he pleaded. Forget that terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. Please just forget about all that. I know I was throwing rocks at you and stuff. Just forget about all that. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned. That's why I've come here today, the very first person in all Israel, to greet my Lord, the king. Shammai was a very different Shammai when David was vindicated. Well, as this is happening, as upon hearing this plea, David's warrior stepped in again, David's buddy, 
And you know, we all need buddies like this, but this guy, he, he always like kind of crosses the line. Then Abishai, son of Zariah said, Shammai should die for he cursed the Lord's anointed king. Okay, this guy won't let it go. David said, who asked your opinion? Why have you become my adversary today? This is not a day for execution, for today I am once again the king of Israel. Then turning to Shammai, David vowed, your life will be spared. David the king forgave Shammai the bully, the man deserving of the king's wrath, the man who maybe deserved wrath more than any other person in the kingdom, instead of getting wrath, you know what he got in return? He received grace. And we aren't totally sure why David allowed slimy Shammai to go free, but here's my guess. David knew deep down that he had been forgiven a far worse. If you go back a little ways in David's stories, story, there's an earlier scene where he made the greatest mistake of his life, a mistake that maybe you have made here today. At the height of his power, David saw a beautiful woman bathing. And instead of turning the other way, he invited her over. And the invitation turned into adultery. And she became pregnant. And because there was no way for him to squirm out of it, he came up with a plan for this, man's, this woman's husband to be killed on the battlefield. The soldiers would pull back, this guy would be left alone, and he would die on the battlefield. King David, man after God's own heart, greatest scandal in the Bible. For a year, David kept the thing hidden, told nobody. He hid it, never confessed it. He tried to shove it under the rug. He tried to forget about it. He tried to leave it behind. But guess what? When we blow it, when we make mistakes, when we do things that we know we shouldn't, when we have that regret and those feelings, they haunt us. It's like a heavy burden on our back everywhere we go. Every day, we wake up with the burden, we go to sleep with the burden, we live with it at work, we live with it at home. It's like this thing that's crushing us and pulling us down and, and we just can't get rid of it. And for a year, David lived with that burden. He says this in Psalm 32, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. He lived his life under a constant cloud of darkness. Regrets from the past haunted him. Mistakes from the past kept him up at night. Problems that he never resolved were right there in front of him and he couldn't live his life. He was under a cloud. Some of you know what I'm talking about here today. You wish you wouldn't have done that thing. You wish you wouldn't have said that word. You wish that you could go back in time and just fix it and change it and turn it all around. What I want you to know today is that today you actually can. You can be a new person today. but you need forgiveness. You could be a new person today, but you need forgiveness from God and you need to learn to forgive others. I know that person in your life doesn't deserve your forgiveness. Well, let me tell you this, you don't deserve God's forgiveness. But instead of God's judgment, when you confess, when you bring your burdens, when you bring your pains, instead of judgment from the Lord, do you know what you receive instead? Even though we hurled insults at our King, even though we are the reason he died on a cross, his hands were pierced, his feet were pierced, his side was pierced, his 
crown of thorns on his head. He was there because of you, because of me. Our sins put Jesus on the cross. He carried them all. We don't deserve anything from him, but when we confess that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. He takes all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt and he nails it to the cross and he gives us a new life and he says, go and do likewise. Forgive as I already forgave you. That is what it looks like to be free from strongholds. I'm talking about real freedom. I'm talking about real freedom this morning. Real freedom. The kind of freedom that it doesn't matter what hits you, you got joy. The kind of freedom where it doesn't matter what comes your way, you, you have faith. The kind of freedom where you know, you know what, I've made so many mistakes, I can't go back in time, but Jesus is enough, he paid it all. And that person that wronged me, they can't go back in time, and maybe they'll keep wronging me, but you know what, I'm not gonna let their wrongs continue to hurt me, I'm not gonna let my bitterness continue to hurt me, I'm going to let it go, I'm going to forgive as God in Christ forgave me. That is how we are made free. That's true freedom. So David says this in Psalm 32, one. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. To be forgiven means to have sin lifted off. Before we confess it, we bear it like a great burden on our backs. When we confess it, God removes it from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. David forgave much because he had been forgiven much. And so my question is, what about you? You will never know freedom until you know forgiveness. Are you carrying around burdens that you need to let go today? Bring it to Jesus today. Testify of Jesus' goodness today. Trust today that Jesus is in fact enough. He's pursuing you, he loves you, he cares about you. Are you gonna come to him? Are you gonna open that door? Are you gonna allow him into your life? He's gonna, it's gonna change things. It's gonna flip your world upside down, but for good. There's nobody I know on this planet who has ever followed after Jesus wholeheartedly and, and felt a day of regret about it because Jesus is worth it and the path he has for you is good and for his glory and for your joy. Are you gonna let him be that for you today, your savior? And also, are you gonna get rid of that bitterness because it's time to let it go. It's time to leave it behind. We're going to take communion right now. If you need the emblems, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, our ushers will make sure to bring you some. Keep it up nice and high so they can get that to you. There's a little cracker in the top if you pull the little the film off the top and then there's also the juice. Communion is a time where, keep that hand up high, they're coming to you. Where we remember Jesus' broken body and shed blood for us. He died that we might live. He was punished so that we might go free. He took on the judgment so that we might experience grace. And without his grace, we're still dead in our sins. Without his grace, we're still carrying that pack. Without his grace, we're still living with those burdens. Without his grace, we won't be healed and we won't have the power or strength within ourselves to let it go and forgive others who have wronged us and who have been like Shammai in our life. So here's my question for you before you take communion. Three questions, really questions we should ask ourselves every time we take communion. The first question is this, and, and this is only for those who, who can answer these questions. Number one, is my sin forgiven by God? 
Are you forgiven today? If you're not, confess in just a moment. Call out to Jesus, bring it before him, lay it at his feet. You can be forgiven. You can leave that pack, that burden, that pressure behind. Jesus paid it all. He is enough. Have you confessed it? Have you brought it to the Lord? Is your sin forgiven? Number two, have I forgiven others? Jesus challenges his disciples not to go to the altar and worship as if everything's fine when you're not fine with a brother or sister in your life, when you're not fine with somebody you have a broken relationship. Sometimes you need to let it go before you're ready to worship God. I encourage you right now to make that choice, to let it go, to forgive. Even if they don't, or even if they're not worthy, forgive, it's only hurting you. And finally, number three, have I forgiven myself? I've been talking to so many people at this church. I love this church. I love our congregation. I can't tell you how many times over the past month I've heard stories of people in my office saying, look it, I know I'm forgiven and I'm learning to forgive, but I cannot forgive myself. I should have never done that. I should have never said that. I knew better. I cannot get over it. I don't deserve it. I can't let it go. And here's my response to them every time. If Jesus can forgive you, then you can forgive you. Because your offense is first and foremost to him. And if the God of creation, holy, righteous, perfect, can let it go, separate your sin as far as the east is from the west, then you too can let it go. You're forgiven. Take a moment, reflect on that, and let's partake of communion.